0: Well, welcome back to two pastors and a mic. My name is Shannon, and I'm Corey and you must be in a good mood. As soon as we got started, you had the biggest smile on your face, but I'm in a good mood. It's good to be here. Just want to say thank you for joining us today on this episode. We also want to thank those of you who are watching on YouTube. Hey, thank you for being with us. We do have, I don't want to say it's bad news or sad news, but uh, this week and next week uh, will be the last two episodes that are on YouTube for a little while now. There's a reason for this, so we apologize in advance, but we just came out of the CIM conference, and we had pastors from all over the Midwest, a few pastors from the Netherlands, from the Bahamas, just people all over that came to be with us, and during uh, the weekend, uh, we just started grabbing uh, people to join us in here, mostly you, because we have two mics set up. Yep. Uh, we're grabbing different pastors or ministry leaders or sometimes just business people uh, into the studio to record a quick 15 to 20 minute podcast. And these are what we're going to be releasing all summer. Mm-hmm. But since these weren't planned, we didn't have all of the equipment out. And so we apologize, uh, but still listen are going be amazing. Uh, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts at, because yeah. some of these episodes are truly amazing. I'm not going to give too much away. But the episode we did with William Paul Young was one of our longest podcasts we've ever done, but it may very well be the best podcast episode in Two Pastors and a Mic history. Yeah. So I know I'm that. I'm putting like the the standard way up there but I promise you it's going to not only deliver maybe even surpass what I'm even saying. So yeah. it was so
1: good. It was and we just want to give a quick shout out right now to Jason yeah. from Detroit who we listen or who we met this week at the conference. He listens to us but he listens on Google, <laughs> which I don't I, don't, I didn't he, know. He came up to us and was like, "Hey, I can't leave a review because right. it's on Google and we hear you guys talking about reviews every single week." So, hey, Shout out to you, Jason. Thanks for listening to us on Google. Didn't know that that was even an option.
0: Yeah, and so there might be other platforms that we're on as well that we have no idea that we're on those platforms. But if you cannot leave a review or rate us and you're listening from one of those platforms, uh, you can always reach out to us, Shannick or Corey at HillCity.TV, if you want to just let us know what this podcast means for you. Or if you actually have a question, reach out to us that way as well, and so earlier I mentioned that podcast with William Paul Young. We are going through his book "Lies We Believe About God," and this is part four. Uh, for those of you that have been joining us, um, the first three weeks we we've, we've had a great time. I think mm-hmm. just unpacking some of these lies that we believe. The first week we talked about how God is good, and I am not, and how we have to crush that. Uh, God wants to use us. That's where you came in. And you know, this is something that I know you love to talk about. It's not God using us. It's God empowering us. And that was such a good episode. Uh, part two, God is more he than she. And that, uh, I thought that we put out a few videos. Um, I thought that might be a little bit more controversial, but I don't know, maybe our Baptist friends didn't pick up on that one (laughs) just yet. Uh, we unpacked God is a prude. Uh, he's not. (laughs) Um, and then last week, Uh, We talked about the dreaded S word submission. God does not submit, uh, but he does to us. And he jumps into those choices that we make. That was really good. And then you unpacked God is a magician um, and how that is a lie. He's not. He's not a genie in a bottle. Baby. Yes. Come and rub Christina Aguilera. Is that it? Oh, my God. I got that that. right off the (laughs) bat. I did not have a clue. Uh, (laughs) I guess I did have a clue because I got it right. But I was thinking I was just guessing. So Part four. (laughs) Today, lies we believe about God. We're going to unpack uh, two things that I think we both love to talk about. The one that I'm going to unpack, I love talking about. The one that you're going to unpack a little bit later, I know it's uh, something you're super passionate about. And so, well,
1: we were going to save this for the last uh, episode in this part five category. We moved it up to part four because Paul Young was in this past weekend and he just shared. I mean, we got to listen to him for hours talk about the father's heart. And it was inspiring us. So this is like kind of fresh. We understand that for many of you, this might be controversial, but just stay with us and be open maybe to this conversation because it's going to be thought provoking, but it'll be inspiring for sure.
0: Yeah. And so the first lie that uh, Paul Young um, uh, unpacks is chapter 24 in his book, but it's the lie. Not everyone is a child of God. Hmm. And so I really want to talk about this because we've even had people leave the, the church here in Hill City because of this very thing that I know I say a lot and unpack a lot and it's something that a lot of um, I'll say Christians or followers of Jesus they can't quite get behind um, because they, they think that maybe only those that believe then they become children of God but that's not true of their identity the whole time but however belief think about it, is an activity. It's not a category. And if you really unpack it, most of us even struggle with belief and trust. And so this idea that not everyone is a child of God, if we get to a place where we believe we are and then become it, what happens in times whenever our faith is weak or maybe there are seasons that we don't believe? Do we stop becoming children of God?
1: Or does that initial belief back in the beginning just wipe you clean for everybody? And then people are like, Oh, so once save, always saved type thing. And it's just stupid conversations.
0: Right. And so here's the thing. And I loved how Paul Young unpacks it because, uh, and something that we learned on this podcast, I think I'm going to start using it in my terminology as well. Um, because he talks about my people mm-hmm. a lot. And when he says my people have this belief that not everyone is a child of God. And when he says, my people he's referring to fundamental evangelical christians mm-hmm. and for whatever reason like we've been taught this but my people <laughs> will respond along the lines of well okay yeah everyone is a child of god in a sense that okay we're all created by god but, Big but. and then now comes the ras- rationalization and justification Uh, for just creating another box, right? It's another way to divide people into categories of value. Mm. And so I know Paul Young in the book, he uses this illustration that his own kids do not have the power either by choice or unbelief to make it untrue that there is kids, right? Like him and his wife conceived, I guess his wife conceived and they (laughs) delivered their kids. Like they are his kids, And their decision or lack of belief does not change their identity it's who they are and will it change the relationship yes but identity no so they can deny it but it won't change it their choices will affect the experience of that relationship right and if we can just unpack a few scriptures because for those of you who think no There are some people who aren't children of God. It's us and them. It's only people who believe that become children of God. It's not everybody on the planet right now that are children of God. Well, we can go right to Acts chapter 17. Paul is up on Mars Hill and he's talking to a group of uh, pagan like Stoics. And he's talking to them about spirituality. And earlier that day or that week, he had walked through their town and came to this unknown statue Um, And it says to the unknown God. So he goes up there and he uses this as a reference point. He's like reference point. You even have this uh, statue that's to the unknown God. Well, let me go ahead and unpack this God to you to make him known. And then he goes on to say uh, it's in this God, the true God, the God that Paul follows in Jesus. He says in him, we live and move and have our being meaning all of us, speaking every single person that's <laughs> yeah. born. And he's speaking to a group of what most people would say are non-believers. Yeah. And he says, we all live and move and have our being. And then he goes on to say, for we, including them, are all God's offspring, yeah. his children. And so right there, Paul includes everybody in in the conversation to to be children of God. It's just that some people just don't know it yet. Yeah. We can use another few verses, Ephesians chapter four, verses five and six. It it says um that there's one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So is he in all or not? Yeah. Yes. There's there's other verses. Colossians says that, you know, all things were created by him and for him, and he is in all as well. Uh first Timothy chapter four, um, it says um uh Verse ten. Yeah, verse ten. Uh, oh, I can't he's remember the first, he's a savior of all men or all people, especially those who believe. Yep. So salvation then isn't just something that causes you to become a children of God because he's the savior of all, Yeah, because all are his children. Yeah. I don't know. There's other things that we can unpack, but it's one of those things that, that really gets a lot of people, uh, my people like really riled up and angry
1: mm-hmm.
0: that everyone could be or are children of God. But if we begin to see people that way and shift our mindset, it really changes the way we relate to, yeah. to everyone when we see them as beloved children of God. And I think when you have that perspective, um, that's when really the kingdom just begins to manifest because it's in us, but it's also in them, and we get to help bring it forth and participate yeah. in it, and it's beautiful.
1: And there's a couple of verses that people use to rebuttal some of those things, which yeah. are found in the Bible. However, they're most often taken out of context. But if you So if you have these verses that are seem seeming to say opposite things, we can just go back to some of the orthodox fundamental things we believe, like God's omnipresence. Everybody regardless of what fence you're on or side you're on in terms of denominational beliefs, everybody believes that God is omnipresent. So if God is everywhere at all times, how can he not be in all people? Because that's a greater contradiction that you have to wrestle with when we talk about this ideology. Not a, not only that, but the idea that there's only one creator, God. If people will will use a verse to say, oh, there's children of the devil. He's not a creator, whatever you believe about him. I know we've we've kind of talked about what the enemy is in our uh, cow tipping series, which you should go back and listen to. It's really good. I actually just listened to it again this week because someone was talking about it and I need to get familiar with it. And I was like, oh man, these are really good topics. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, this reality, there's only one creator. Right. And so I love what you said. Don't misquote us. Yeah, we do believe that God, that everyone is a child of God. Some of them just don't know it yet and that's why we evangelize so to speak and it's it's not people are assignments it's hey we have an incredible job to love people well to awaken to them the fact that they are already loved and valued
0: yeah no i think it's i think it's amazing and um if i can process just a little bit i'd love what you just brought up about how you know there's several verses out there the verse that says you know children of the devil or whatever um but that's not their identity yeah you know i think A lot of times my kids maybe mimic what I do in behavior but it doesn't mean that that is their true character nature and identity and so in that verse children of the devil they might be right what the devil is the accuser when they're acting in a way in their life that's manifesting accusations towards people they're following after him uh, meaning the enemy Um, but that doesn't mean that that's what is what their identity is. Right.
1: I'm glad you said that.
0: And so I think that's what we're saying. Like our true identity at it, at our core, everybody, we were all created in him and he's in us. And yeah, we're his children. So I don't know. I, 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 I really, this is one of those hills that I will die on. Yeah. I will say too, I've had, the um, the privilege of really traveling around the world a lot over the last five years, and when I travel around the world and experience different people, different different cultures, even in even people with different belief systems, um, man, my view of of them continues to be that they're children of God, regardless of what they may believe or what they may do, and that has expanded. I think my love, but it's also expanded. And I've got a better and bigger view of even God and who mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. as father of all. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
1: Well, before I go into my part of what I like, cause I think it piggybacks perfectly because people are going to ask the question, well, people need to get saved, which we're going to unpack that here in just a moment. But I want, cause you brought that up. So we did get to do have William Paul Young on the podcast and it is incredible and The first couple days, I didn't actually go meet him. I was kind of staying back uh, on purpose. I even shared on this podcast that I was really super nervous to meet him, to like, is he gonna practice what he preaches? And this guy, I might get emotional because he gave every single person, not just time, but he made them feel like they were the only person that existed in that moment. Mm -hmm. And when I asked him that on, on the podcast, I actually praised him in the beginning of the podcast because he's known now in this area for his hugs. His hugs were amazing. Everybody wanted to just get one of his hugs because you actually felt like, wow, this person cares about me. I feel seen, heard, valued in this moment. And I I was praising him uh, about it. And he said, when you recognize that every single human being is an eternal being, how can you not give them the time of day? Mm. Because you're actually standing in the presence of Jesus when you're talking to his creation. And he didn't say it just like that, I was paraphrasing. Um, he actually opened up the, the conference. I'm gonna have to pull up my notes real quick because the way he opened up the conference was so amazing. He had this direct quote. He said, there is only one eternal life and it's the ever-present now. This is the only thing that is real right now. And that's kind of the language that we've been challenged with about you know the ruthless elimination of hurry and being being present, being where your feet are, being in this moment. And it yep. was just so challenging to see it. And it was inspiring to me to, uh, th- there's people I meet on a regular basis, man, how, how different would people feel in my presence if I valued them to make them feel like they were the only person that mattered right now? Cause right now is the only thing that matters. Yep. And so I was, yeah, I was that really was good. encouraged by that. So he unpacks this lie in chapter 13 that you need to get saved. And Honestly, this is verbiage that has really only been around for the last couple hundred years. He even joked on his Sunday morning service at, here at Hill City about uh, the sinner's prayer has only been around for a couple hundred years, so what happened to everybody before that? Right. And people laugh, but I don't know if they are understanding what he's saying. Uh, because when Jesus becomes a sale pitch, we narrow people down to targets, and they feel like they're targets, and people are not assignments. We use that language a lot. and We are not Jesus' salesmen or saleswomen. If I can convince you that you need Jesus, then someone smarter than me can convince you otherwise. Following Jesus is about your own unique experiences, yeah, which I believe encounter. he will give. That's them what Paul to Young you. yeah, talked a lot about. Encounter. That encounter, and so you don't jump through religious hoops of what exactly to believe, even though many of these beliefs have caused division. And on all of our commitments, you know, when will when will we spend? Uh, and what what am I trying to say here? Yeah, and if.
0: If you don't jump through religious hoops and get exactly the same belief and follow through on all your commitments, what we teach and most of my people will teach that you will spend an eternity burning in a lake of fire.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to get that quote. I I, I wrote it wrong on on the notes. No, it's all good. But so why would we ever think that this is good news or great news or the gospel, let alone the crazy thought of God sacrificed himself to himself to save us from himself because of a rule or covenant that he made with himself? Right. Like you got to think about this. It was God in Christ.
0: Yeah. Reconciling the world, not counting their sins against them. Yeah. So what sins uh, weren't accounted for already by him e- exactly. and God in covenant with one another.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. And then people talk about the lake of fire in Revelation, even though the book of Revelation is a metaphoric uh, no. book, lake of fire I actually did a deep dive research on this. Brad Jerzyk says that the lake of fire is talking about the Sea of Galilee. It's a metaphor for the Sea no, of Galilee. The Dead Sea. Or the, Yeah, the Dead Sea, and, which is ironic because it says that Hades or hell are, will be thrown into the lake of fire. So, you know, it's like, well, it can't be hell, your understanding of hell, because how can hell be thrown into hell? It, right? So you're like, oh, wow, that makes sense. I <laughs> got to gotta think about this. But he says this in the book. He says, the good news is not that Jesus has opened up the possibility of salvation. And that you have been invited to receive Jesus into your life. The gospel is that Jesus has already included you into his life, into his relationship with God the Father, and into his anointing in the Holy Spirit. The good news is that Jesus did this without your vote. And whether you believe it or not won't make it any less or more true. We don't offer anyone what has already been given. We simply celebrate the good news with each other. What or who saves me? Either God did in Jesus or I saved myself. And if in any way I participate in the completed act of salvation accomplished in Jesus, then my part is what actually saves me. Saving faith is not our faith, but the faith of Jesus. God does not wait for my choice and then save me. This is not a transaction or a sale. God has acted decisively and universally for all humankind. Now, our daily choice is to either grow and participate in that reality, which is why the belief is important, or continue to live in the blindness of our own independence. And he, he unpacks a whole lot of scriptures. You know, John twelve thirty two. God dragged all unto himself, or he dragged all judgment unto himself. First uh, Timothy four ten, what you already talked about. God is the Savior of all, especially those who believe. John one three, everyone is in Christ. John fourteen twenty, Christ is in them and the Father. Second Corinthians five nineteen, Second Timothy one nine, Philippians two twelve through thirteen. They all talk about precisely the, a very similar yeah. concept that that we actively participate to work out. What God has already worked in, our ongoing choices matter. What we believe does matter. So hear us say that, but it doesn't matter to make it true. It matters to make it true to you. Yep. And that, that changes a whole lot. We don't participate in working out in order to make it true. We do so because it is true. Yeah.
0: So hear that. Yeah. And so I, the 1st verse first I'm thinking of right now at the top of my head, I think it's Ephesians two, eight, nine, it says for by grace, we have been saved through faith Mm-hmm but then it's by grace and then who's faith. A lot of times we think, oh, we have to have the right faith. We have to have the right response. We have to have the right belief, but it's, we have been saved by grace through faith. And then the very next line says, and this is not of ourself. Mm -hmm. So then how can it be our faith, right? This is not of ourself so that no one can boast, meaning you didn't do anything. The work's already been done. So that's why we say on this podcast, please hear us. The gospel, the good news is not an invitation. It is a declaration of what Jesus already has done. And I love that. The gospel is that Jesus has already included you into his life, into his relationship with God, the father, and into his anointing in the Holy spirit. You're included.
1: Yep. That's all you need
0: to hear. You're included. Yep. Mic drop.
1: And we unpack this on a great or deeper deeper level, like what salvation even means, episode 11. We talk about what Shanik just brought up with that whole faith conversation. I encourage you to go listen to episode 107, New Year, New You on faith, on whose faith is it? Is it our faith or is it Jesus' faith? And it's pretty awesome. I know we might do a, another uh, episode on this, on understanding what the gospel actually is, because we take people through next steps in our church, and next steps 201 is to explain what exactly the gospel is, because you just said it. it's not an invitation, it's a declaration of who they are. The gospel message does not have conditions on it. The gospel message has conclusions, and the conclusion is, is that, that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection included all of us. Now believe to make it true, but it's always been true. Yep. And so, yeah, those are some spicy yeah. conversations. If this yeah. is new for you, I, I, do, I really try not to be dogmatic on this, but these types of conversations drastically changed my life when we started having these conversations, what, back in 2013, 2014, 2015 timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's been six, seven, eight years ago that we've been able to process this. I disagreed with this message for a very, very long time. I was like, there's no way that it's that good. Um, yeah. So yeah. I understand. Right. I understand the the struggle, especially if you've been raised in the church that never taught this it kind of goes against everything that that you believe. And I I really want to challenge you on that because the gospel message doesn't create this hierarchy system and who's better, who's in, who's out, who's not doing enough, and it really kind of removes those scales so to speak metaphorically from your eyes to be able to see people as well. I'm standing in front of Jesus right now every single person you meet. You brought heaven into the room and guess what? You're standing in the presence of Jesus when you're standing in the presence of his creation. And if you viewed people like that, I wonder how differently you'd be able to not only speak into them, but forgive them, accept them, and speak life into them.
0: Yeah. and see them as someone who can encourage and do those things for you. yeah, because of who lives in them as well. And so yeah, set with this, process this. It may take time. and honestly, you could get to different conclusions than we've got to, and that's okay because when we say it, we mean it and we want you to hear this. You are loved and there's nothing you can do about it.